the, the little history of it is that this is the Babylonian captivity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they've, this is the first um, wave. Ne uh, Nebuchadnezzar has come and taken a bunch of the Jews captive out of Judah. And the reason why, the reason why, now this has nothing to do with us personally, but the, the reason why is because of judgment. Because they were serving other gods, specifically the queen of heaven, and you'll see that later on, but serving other gods, lighting incense. The women were doing it, and the men were allowing it. Huge, huge no-no. And um, they were not only just worshiping the queen of heaven, they were depending on the queen of heaven for their food and their sustenance and their happiness and all that nonsense. So that's why they were serving it, just like people do today. You serve the system because it gives you stuff. Same crap, you know, and there's no real men anymore to stand up and go, we can't do that, you know. So it's all about the queen of heaven. Don't get ahead of myself. But gay pride, parades, they're all, they're all, and I'm not going to say men, they're all male, they're all feminized males. <clears throat> you might have a few masculinized females in there, what you'd call dykes or butches, but for the most part, what do you see? hundreds if not thousands of feminized males. When you have drag queen story, <clears throat> do you have a masculine female entertaining kids? You have a feminized feminized male. And it attracts little kids because they look like clowns. Whereas a female dressed like a man wouldn't attract a little kid because it just looks like a man. <clears throat> it's all the queen of heaven. It is a <clears throat> adrogyne that demasculizes the male, uplifts the female, the goddess. It's all, it really is all goddess worship. It really is. There is no other place to look. It is all goddess worship, which is ultimately Lucifer, Venus. But that's what, that's what you see today. Gay pride, it's all gay men, even though they say LGBTQ lesbian, bi, gay, what do you normally see? Feminized men. You don't see masculine, masculinized females as much. They're out there, but even that women's soccer team, we all know they're men, mm -hmm. feminized men. It's all about God's word, it always has. Catholicism, Mother, Mary, worship, all that crap, Queen of Heaven. They are, they are but the priesthood of that religion. Catholicism is the priesthood performing the rites and rituals to their goddess. Mm -hmm. Everybody else that follows, whether you're Catholic or not, worship the Queen of Heaven while well, they provide the priesthood functions. Just like the priest of Yahweh, they were, they were only, they did certain things. Sacrifices, things in the temple. Not everybody did that, but they all brought their offerings and their things like that for the priest to do that for them. Same, Satan's counterfeits, the same thing. The Catholic Church is nothing more than a priesthood. And so when we used to hear Walter Weith and he was so, you know, 
queer on the Catholic Church. It's like, really? You know, it's like, he was right in the sense, except his focus was too narrow. He was simply focusing on the church and not the queen of heaven, not the goddess worship. It's true what he was saying, but they're the priesthood. Everybody else follows the priesthood. Now, it's been goddess worship, the queen of heaven has been with us way before the priesthood of the Catholic Church. It's just a reincarnation of another, another Babylonian priesthood, right? But when Christianity, real Christianity came to be, it destroyed the queen of heaven because God then revealed himself and says, this is Yahweh. It, 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 this wasn't anything new. God has always said, I'm the true God. That's what was, he had his own people. He had his own priesthood. That was Israel. That's why it ticked him off so much when they went with the queen of heaven. You get it? <clears throat> my priesthood left my temple and went to this other side, this goddess thing, the very thing that I'm trying to save people from. That's why it was such a big deal, serving other gods. Specifically, other gods are all the queen of heaven. You call them whatever they want, it all goes back to goddess word. That's all the queen of heaven. So Christianity, real Christianity comes. Jews and Gentiles believe in the real God through Christ, right? 400 years later, it's not until the Roman Catholic Church starts because it couldn't destroy Christianity, trying to kill them, trying to light them on fire, trying to do all this stuff, couldn't wipe it out, right? Christianity, as we saw in sometimes in those um, History Channel things, all the goddess, all the god worships of Jupiter and Saturn, all those temples become empty. You know, that's why you don't see temples of Athena anymore and things like that, because Christianity about wiped it all out. Mm. You see, so it it was a mortal wound. Ah. It was a mortal wound to the Queen of Heaven, to one of her heads. It's a Babylonian whore riding the beast, Jerry. The beast is none other than Lucifer. Yeah. And that Babylonian whore is the mystery religion. Mystery just means that people don't see it. It's a cult. It's hidden. But our neighbors do it. That guy across the street does it. That guy does it. Whether they're Catholic or not. Either with Yahweh or with the Queen of Heaven. The Catholic Church and Catholics are nothing more than the priesthood of it. They keep her fed. And they proselyte people. Then they also got into the evangelical church and became one with the emergent church, see. So they couldn't wipe it out, so it was a mortal wound. So 400 years after Christ, 400 years after Christ, it gets paganized, Christianity gets paganized. We can't wipe it out, so we're gonna take Christian elements, mix it in with the queen of heaven, and of course, you form your Roman holy Catholic church. It's no different than any other ancient Babylonian priesthood just change names and it's still with us today and as today more and more people get away see even with the reformation and stuff when you had the reformers rebel against the queen of heaven that too was part of a mortal wound it was like you know it started the reformation started you know protestantism you know people got away from the queen of heaven well today that's no longer we're all mixed in now so it's it's that mortal wound to death do you look and go oh, and people marvel at it and who can make war with a beast and they and they follow it <clears throat> and they marvel at it 
because it's anything but dead. It's everywhere. The queen of heaven is everywhere. And it was here in Jeremiah's day. That's the reason why God brought Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian army, to wipe them out. It was part of their curse. It was part of their judgment. Okay? Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. So, having said all that, that's where they were at. So Nebuchadnezzar's come. He's taken the captive to Babylon because they left the priesthood of Yahweh. They deserved everything they got. In fact, if there's, there was any remnant left, it was only God's mercy. They, they didn't deserve that at all. They deserved to be wiped out. Seriously. You cannot feel sorry for these people. They were told time and time and time again. Don't listen. Don't freaking listen. So Nebuchadnezzar does this, decimates Judah, decimates the land, decimates the temple, decimates the whole area. It's a war zone. And this is what kind of applies to us. We're in a war zone. We've been decimated. Okay. Not so much that we've left the priesthood of God and we're being punished. Mm -hmm. Our war zone is a training zone, but nonetheless, we're in a war zone. It's decimated. It's our whole life is upside down. Everything's messed up. You're being trained. You're being tested. You're being pushed to the to your, you know, zenith. spiritual limits. <laughs> yeah, the zenith. So what Nebuchadnezzar does is he says, "I'm going to leave a few people here." And they're, the, they're like the poor people. He took all, like he took Daniel and he took, he took all the really bright young people and all the officers and the court people. He took all the heavy weights with him, kings and, you know, those, those people. He took them with him for the most part. And these are the people he left in the land. Well, because it's smart. If you take everybody out of the land, the land's going to get overrun with wild animals. And, you know, these people had already cultivated land. There's vineyards and there's houses. So they, he left a remnant there. Nebuchadnezzar left a remnant. And he put a man in charge, um, a Jew, a Jewish man in charge. And um, his name is uh, Gedaliah. He's the son of mm. Akiham. And he left him in a place called Mizpah. And then four times in chapter 40, people are coming to Mizpah to Gedaliah. Gedaliah was the governor of Judah, left there by Nebuchadnezzar, saying, this remnant 
can stay here. We're not going to bother you. You can grow your food. You can eat. It's a war zone, but you can occupy it and you'll be safe. Just don't rebel and be stupid. And you can stay here. That was the deal. Yeah, stay there. So in chapter 40, Jeremiah had been in prison up to this point. And the Ethiopian had rescued him from that pit. Mm -hmm. Well, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And it says that after this captain of Nebuchadnezzar of the guard let him go from prison, he took the chains off of him. And he says, basically, he says to Jeremiah, he says it. The Lord thy God has pronounced this evil upon this place. What verse this is? is verse 2, chapter 40. It's the captain of the guard. Okay. His name is uh, uh, Nebuzaradan. He's, he's working for Nebuchadnezzar. He's a Babylonian. Jeremiah was taken captive, put in prison, when the Babylonians came and destroyed everything. So they pull him out. The Ethiopian rescues him. They realize Jeremiah's a good guy. Doesn't everybody's not a bad guy. This guy declares to Jeremiah, your God is the one that pronounces evil upon this place. Mm -hmm. So they know where it comes from. They can't lose. Your God has allowed this. Mm. Your God has allowed this war zone, all right? In this case, it was for worshiping the queen of heaven. In our case, it's for testing and trials. But the lesson's the same. Verse three, now the Lord brought, now the Lord hath brought it and done according as he has said, because ye have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. In our case, it's a training thing. But what we were talking about earlier, you know, pray God will close this door. Don't know why. I don't even want to ask God because I know he's going to say no, but I'm going to go this way. That's disobedience. And you're going to bring this on you. You're going to bring, you're going to bring, you're going to bring it on. Christians are going to bring it on themselves. And that's why they're in the, the straits there are. They can't get, they don't know how to get out of it. Pray for me here. I got this, I got that. This is why. And now, behold, I loose thee this day, in verse 4, and he says, um, from the chains that are on your hands. And basically, in verse 4, he says, if you want to, you can come with me to Babylon. And I'll take care of you. You'll live in peace. Nothing, no harm will come to you. You'll be fine. He goes, but if you want to stay here, they're still in Judah. Look, all this land is before you and you can stay here. So you go wherever you want. It seems convenient for you. So he's, he's allowed to make the choice. So Jeremiah um, said, I'm going to stay. Now look at verse five. It says, now, while he was not yet gone back, in other words, he didn't go to, um, he didn't go to Babylon yet. He said, go back also to get Eliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan whom the king of Babylon hath made governor over the cities of Judah and dwell with him among the people or go wherever you want, what seems right to you. So the captain of the guard gave him food and a reward and then let him go. So right there is the first time we hear of this guy. It's this the five times it's in chapter 40. So it's important about this governor over Judah. Go to him. It's a safe place. So then in a, Verse six, 
It says, Then went Jeremiah unto Gedaliah, the son of Ahakem, to Mizpah. You're going to see that four times. Gedaliah at or to Mizpah. And he dwelt with him among the people that were left in the land. So you get the picture there. War toward land. Jews are taken to Babylon in captivity. Everything's destroyed, but he leaves a little remnant there. And he says, he sets this guy, probably get Eliah with some captain or some warrior or something, you know, a part of the Jewish army that could be trusted. You're the governor here. You govern these people and you guys will be okay. Just don't, yeah. don't, don't rebel against us. You're under our deal, but you can live there. It's, it's, it's a, not a bad deal. And you can kind of rebuild and grow your food and you can live. Well, it wasn't like it was before, but you're the one that screwed it up. So just deal with the punishment until it's over with, is what it's saying. And then in verse 7, it says, Now when the captains of the forces which are in the field, these are Jewish captains. This is the Israel, um, Israelite army. They were in the fields. They and their men, when they heard that king of Babylon had made, here it is again, Gedaliah the son of Ahakim, governor in the land, and had committed unto him men and women and children and the poor of the land of them that were not carried away captive to Babylon. So that's already twice we've seen it. You're gonna see it three more times. So my emphasis is that that's very important. Gedaliah in Mizpah is very important. Go there and hang out in safety, even though it's a war-torn zone. It's not what you used to know, but hang there. And you'll be okay. Don't seek other help. That's what the lesson's going to be. Do not go to Egypt. Stay where I've put you, even though it's unpleasant. And then in verse 8, Then they came to get Eliah to Mizpah. There it is again. How many times does God have to tell us, get Eliah to Mizpah? Then, now, these are the warriors, the captains of the armies of Israel that weren't taken captive, that were out in the field trying to fight. They lost, but they weren't taken captive. Then they came to get Eliah to Mizpah, uh, and the names all these different sons, Johanan, Jonathan, you know, all these guys. The name to remember here is Jonathan, the sons of Kerarah. Kiriah, because you're going to see his name later on. And then there's uh, Sarah and the sons of some, some, and all these other, all these, all these men. Uh, but you don't, you don't hear of them again. Only Jonathan uh, from Kirarah is the only one you're going to hear about again. And verse nine says, and get a, and get Eliah, there it is again, his name, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan. Of course, I didn't do a word study on these names because I'm using a hard Bible, um, but I'm sure that means something. Uh, swear unto them and to their men, saying, here's what he says, fear not to serve the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. So I, I mean, as Christians, a lot of times we're like, I'm not going to serve, I'm not going to do it, you know, he's not saying serve the demons. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is accept your fate right here. Don't rebel against where God has you right now. 
and try to seek other help and everything will be okay. It's all going to work out okay. There's a reason why you're there right now. I mean, God's just not throwing you into the, the lion's den just because you've got nothing else to do. He's trying to teach you something, trying to train you something, trying to strip you of something. He's trying to deep root you, you know, or in some cases there's rebellion and he's bringing you back. But in either case, you're in a place that's not what it used to be. You know, you may have put yourself in that place on purpose by walking through a door. Mm -hmm. Questionable. I don't know if I should do this or not. Okay. And then, okay, you're a man and um, you have a, a porn addiction. So you say, God, I have a porn addiction. You know what? And then you fire up your computer and you start watching porn. You go, God, if, just help me. Just, just shut it down. You know, if it's not your will that I should be watching this right now, just, just make my computer blow up or shut, close the door. It sounds ridiculous, right? Nobody would, somebody's like, what are you doing? You shouldn't have fired it up anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But if you just put that in another scenario, whatever, mm -hmm. then you don't, you don't see it as much. You know, well, should I should I get this job or should I, blah, blah, I don't know. Well, you know, if it's not God's will, he'll shut the door. Yeah, like getting a bartender job or working yeah. at a porn store. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, I shouldn't be doing this, but the door will shut it. And then you find yourself in a position that's, that's no good. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, so he says, if you, if you dwell here and serve the king of Babylon, everything will be well. <clears throat> and then he says, as for me, behold, I will dwell at Mizpah to serve the Chaldeans, which will come unto us. But ye gather your wine and your summer fruits. So there's food there and oil and put them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that you have taken. You have food, you have summer fruit, you have oil, you have wine, just chill. I'm gonna go to Mizpah, the Chaldeans are coming and I'm gonna serve them there and govern you people. Everything's gonna be cool. Verse 11, likewise, when all the Jews that were in Moab and among the Ammonites and in Edom, you notice all these are places of pagan origin. Ammonites serve God, different gods, Edomites, um, Moabites. They're all serving pagan gods. That's where the Jews were scattered. Mm -hmm. That's where they ran to when the invasion happened. So all these Jews that were everywhere and they that were in all the countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant in Judah and that he had set over them, here it is, Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, the son of Shaphan. 12, even all the Jews returned out of all the places where they were driven and came to the land of Judah to Gedaliah unto Mizpah and gathered wine and summer fruits very much. So that means there was a lot of food there. There's a lot of sustenance. So God is still sustaining them even in a war-torn country. That's our lesson. They're in a war-torn Judah. It doesn't look the way it used to look. It's, it's a mess, the, the, the army. And he's taking everybody captive. Look around us. Look around you. Mm -hmm. Look at our neighbors. Look at, the, look at the people we know, the people we don't know. They've been taken captive. Mm -hmm. And only a few are left. <coughs> then we have summer fruit and oil and wine and just chill just chill we've got a governor 
Just do what the governor says. It'll all will be well. It's over. No more. Look, you're not going to, these people are taken captive. You're not going to go get them back. You're not going to, this ain't going to happen. Okay, so that sounds good, and it should have ended there. We should never have any more. That should be it, but no, but nay. Verse 13, moreover, Jonathan, the son of Kerari, that's that name we read earlier, and I said, keep an eye on him. And all the captains of the forces that were in the fields came to get Eliah to Mizpah. And basically, he says, um, he says unto them, dost thou certainly know that uh, Balalus is the king of the Ammonites? have sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to slay you, to kill you. But Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, didn't believe him. So Jonathan said, hey, this guy from the Ammonites, he's sending this Ishmael guy and he's going to kill you. Nah, 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 nah. Jonathan, the son of Korea, spake to Gedaliah at Mizpah, there it is again, secretly, saying, let me go and I'll go kill this guy. And no one will ever know it. And that way he won't come and kill you. No one, just, and no one will ever know it. Just let me go kill him. He goes, why should uh, he slay you? All the Jews are gathered with you should be scattered and the remnant that's left in Judah perish. And uh, Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, there it is again, said to Jonathan, thou shalt not do this thing for thou speaketh falsely of Ishmael. Okay. So I thought, well, that's good for him. Gedaliah is a good dude. He's got wisdom and everything. Um, he's not going to listen to the lies of Jonathan, but nay, nay, Jonathan was right. Um, there was an enemy in the camp. So what happens in verse in chapter 41, they come to pass that Ishmael does come to Mizpah, meets with the guy. They eat and they drink. They have a good time. They have a meal together. Ishmael has some men with him about, uh, I think they said 10 men. And after he got done eating, he rose up and guess who they killed? Gedaliah. Mm -hmm. They killed him. Um, whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael slew all the Jews that were with him in Mishpah and the Chaldeans that were found there and the men of war. So the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, left some regiment there to keep peace and they got whacked too. No, no good. And, uh, and it says, and it came to pass the second day after he had slain Gedaliah, nobody knew it. And it goes on and on. I'm not going to do this big thing. But basically, this, this guy um, uh, kills a bunch of people that, ha that, that come. There's just some guys that shave their beard to, to serve in the temple, do something, you know, like some incense to Yahweh, do the right thing. And he killed them. And he's throwing everybody in a big pit. And uh, the big pit goes back to, uh, I think, King Asa or something. There's something yeah. to it. So he throws all these dead bodies in a big pit. And then it says, um, 10 men were found among uh, these people who said, don't kill us because we have treasures in the field. We have wheat, barley, and oil, and honey. So don't slay us. So he let them live because they had stuff. And then he, uh, he killed everybody else, threw them in this big pit. And then Ishmael carried away captive all the residue of the people that were in Mizpah, even the king's daughters and all the people that remained in Mizpah, whom... Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gedaliah. This guy carried him all the way captive, and he went over to the Ammonites, because that's where he was from. Ishmael was from the Ammonites. Mm -hmm. So, who becomes leader? 
Johanan, I call him Jonathan, his name is Johanan, son of Kiriah. I keep saying Jonathan, but his name is Johanan, like Yopi. So that's that name again. And then, so he becomes leader of anybody who's left. And all the captains and forces that were with him heard of the evil that Ishmael, the son of uh, Nahaniah, had done. Remember, they weren't at Mizpah. So they get a lie was at Mizpah with the remnant, and they were eating summer fruits. They had them in land. So they come. And they took all the men, and they went to fight with Ishmael. And uh, all the people that were with Ishmael saw Johanan and all the captains of the forces, and they were glad. So the people that Ishmael had carried away captive from Mizpah cast about in return. So they broke ranks and re- went with Johanan. <laughs> And Ishmael, the son of whatever his face, he escaped and went uh, back to the Ammonites. And then Johanan, of uh, the sons of Kirah, who, who seems like a pretty good guy now. So he wasn't lying. The guy mm-hmm. was going to kill Gedaliah. And he said, let me kill him before he kills you. Seems like a pretty good guy. But see, he doesn't turn out. He turns out goofy, too. Mm-hmm. He, took, uh, he took all these people with him, the remnant he had recovered from Ishmael. From Mizpah, that he had slain Gedaliah, the son of Anakim, even mighty men of war, and the women and the children and the eunuchs whom he had brought again from Gibeon. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem. Now, here's the problem right there. If it would have stopped there, Johanan would have been a good guy. He tried to warn Gedaliah that Ishmael was going to kill him. Let me whack him before he does this. No one will ever know. It'll be peace. So he was willing to live like that. Mm-hmm. But when Gedaliah went and listened to him and he got killed and then Ishmael took the remnant away, he had to go back and fight and get the remnant back. So now, instead of just going back to Judah and go, we're just going to hunker down. This ain't going to happen again. I'm the leader. Here's the problem. They go to this place, which is by Bethlehem, and it says to go to enter into Egypt. That's where the problem is. And the reason why they want to enter into Egypt mm. is for safety. Mm. God said, I'm going to leave a remnant in Judah. The Babylonians had put a governor in charge of them. And if they just would have stayed there and served the Chaldeans, everything would have been okay. But for some reason, Gedaliah, you know, was having chow with this Ammonite from Ishmael. They're, pagan, they're all pagan worshipers. So he has an enemy in his house. And after they have a good time, he rises up and kills them. And then takes the remnant to Ammon. Or, yeah, to the Ammonites. And you know what they're going to do to them there. Mm. You know, make slaves of them or whatever. So then they're rescued again. But instead of staying where put in the war-to-war land, we've had enough of this. We can't deal with this no more. We've, we have got to do something about it. Let's go where it's safe. And there's the problem. And that's, that's kind of our lesson. Mm-hmm. And um, so they go there. That's in verse 17. To go to enter into Egypt. Verse 18. Because of the Chaldeans, they were afraid of them. 
because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had slain Gedaliah, the son of Ahakim, whom the king of Babylon made governor in the land. So they were afraid of the Babylons, of the, Babel, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, because this other guy, Ishmael, the Ammonite, slayed their governor. But they had nothing to do with it. In fact, this guy warned them of it. But now they're, now they're scared. Oh, 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 crap. Fear. And fear drives people to do bizarre things, right? So chapter 42, then, now here's, here's, here's really our main crux of our lesson. The Jews inquired Jeremiah, then all the captains of the forces and Johanan, the son of Korea, and all these other people, I'm not going to name their names, and all the people from least even to the greatest came near. So it wasn't just the leaders. It was all the remnant, all the people. And they said to Jeremiah, the prophet, let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee. Now here's the deal. And pray for us before the Lord thy God. They aren't seeking God themselves. And probably back then, they probably couldn't. Mm -hmm. There's no priesthood. There's nothing like that. But you have a prophet. You have a man of God in the land still. And so it was probably appropriate back then to have him pray to God because he can speak in behalf of God. They couldn't. But today, that's not the case. Today, we don't need to go to anybody and go pray us for us in that sense. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you don't have people pray for you when you're ill or something like that. But discernment is something God gives you and wisdom should know you can pray for God's leading and, and him to give you the discernment and wisdom and something like that. You see what I'm trying to say? So they say, pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many as thine eyes behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. So that, that's great. They're asking the prophet, the man of God, pray to God to show us what we should do in this situation. This is a bad deal. We're war-torn. The Chaldeans have destroyed Judah, have taken all of us captives, only a few of us left. Then this thing happens. This Ammonite Ishmael guy comes and destroys their governor. Now, this what remnant of the army we have left you know, we're just, we're scared that we're going to, now the, now the Chaldeans, because they killed the Chaldeans that were here too, that we're going to get blamed for it. So they're scared. So tell us what we should do to God, right? In verse four, chapter 42, then Jeremiah, the prophet said unto them, I have heard you, behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord will answer you, I will declare it back unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. So whatever God says, I'm going to tell you the truth. That's the job of the prophet. I, I can't, I'm not going to whitewash anything. Whatever he says, I'm going to tell you. So, okay. So verse five, they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not according to all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Check this out in verse six. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, 
We will obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it should end right there. So whether we like the outcome or not, so God says, no, I don't think you should get that partending job at the strip club. That's not what I want you to do right now. And you go, how can I pay it's it's you know how can I pay the rent that this is a good opportunity, they're gonna pay me six figures, right? So you look at whether it be good or for evil. You consider that, man, that's going to bring evil on me. I can't put food on my table. I will obey the Lord, no matter what you think. So, like in our case, we're in a situation here where getting buffeted, you go through great testings and trials and persecutions, all kinds of stuff. And it's like evil. But if God says, this is where I want you to be, we'll do whatever you... That's what the people say. So it should have ended right there also, right? Whether it be for good or whether it be for evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. They know that it's going to be well with them when they obey the voice of the Lord thy God. You know that whether it be good or evil, whether you like it or not, basically, as we say, whether you like that decision or not, you know it's going to be well with you if you obey the voice of the Lord. And you can just look around and go, we're a remnant because we didn't obey the voice of the Lord. That's why we're in this position. So, verse 7, and it came to pass after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah it wasn't, you know, so it was you again, what did you just say? That we, we did obey God? That we're in this position because I didn't know if you said Oh, they were, they were in that position because they didn't obey they God. They didn't, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're saying we'll avoid, we'll obey. We know that it'll be well with us if we obey the voice of God. But they didn't, the, that's why they're there in the first place. Right. What I'm saying is like. No, I know, but I thought you said yeah. we. Oh, oh no. no. Okay. Then verse 7, and it came to pass after 10 days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. And also, was it immediate? 10 days. <clears throat> That's another lesson. <laughs> then called he Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces which were with him. So Kareah is some like general of the army. He's a big, he was a big wig in the Jewish army at one point because he had captains with him and forces with him. And all the people from the least even to the greatest. So it's not just the leaders, it's everybody. Verse 9, And said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, The God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to, present your supplication before him. Here's what he says, verse 10. If ye will still abide in this land, abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Mm. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Mm -hmm. And I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. So there it is, right there. This is what God says. 
stay here, abide, and I promise you, I'm going to build you up and I'm not going to pluck you up anymore. I, I repent for, for all the evil I've done to you. I, I kind of feel bad. You know, you guys are pretty whacked out, you know. So just hang out here. Don't be afraid. I'm going to take care of uh, the king of Babylon. And matter of fact, um, I'm going to show mercy on you. And he'll show, he's going to see that. And he's going to show mercy upon you and have you return to your own land. Is that cool? If they would have done that, we would have never had, well, we probably wouldn't have had Daniel. We wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had uh, Ezra. We wouldn't have Nehemiah. We wouldn't have any of that stuff. <coughs> we wouldn't have need King Cyrus. We wouldn't have had any of that stuff. History would have been totally different. But nay. Now, that's the blessing part. Here comes the cursing part. That's what I said. Disobedience to God is not just you told me this. It's not an option. Mm -mm. It's, not, it's not an option. He tells you not to do something, or, or you say, well, I'm going to pray about it. Just close the door if that's not your will. And then you, you do it anyway. Or you don't even ask because you know what the answer is going to be. Wow. This is the cursing. Okay. 13. But if ye say, this is Jeremiah still talking in behalf of God. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God. You see the direct rebellion there? Mm -hmm. That's a direct rebellion. This ain't by accident. This ain't, well, we thought we were, but we, we got a little, what? You know, this ain't by accident. This is a direct, no, I will not do that. Say no, but we will go into the land of Egypt and why doesn't God want, you, want them to go to Egypt? Number one, he delivered them out of Egypt by a mighty hand. They were slaves, oppressed, and he delivered them out of Egypt. God does not want you going back to the world or anything that's going to give you assistance because you don't like where he's put you. That's big. So they want to go back to Egypt. And why, why do they want to go to Egypt? And why is it that God hates us so much? It says, where we shall see no war, mm. nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there we will dwell. So there it is, comfort. <clears throat> they want to go back to the place of comfort. They don't see no war. If they go back, if you start complaining and go, I just want to go back to the way it used to be. I just want to go back to when I was a first Christian and I was going to this church and everybody loved each other in the past. I just want to go back there. It was so comforting. I didn't have any of this war. I didn't have to do spiritual warfare. And I love this one. They're going to go back and nor will they hear the sound of the trumpet. You know what that is? That's, that's the, the alarm that the enemy is upon you. In the middle of the night, when we're asleep, and you get the alarm, the Philist wake up, Linda, the Philistines are upon you. It's time to rise up and fight with the jawbone of an ass, right? It's not time to lay there and wish it would go away, and it could be like it was before. Mm -hmm. The time is, that's the trumpet. Ba, 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 ba. It's the guy on the wall telling you 
the Philistines are upon you. Not, oh, they're going to come or maybe someday could have, what a shit. They're upon, they're here. They've entered the house. Let's, we got a war. We got to do some spiritual warfare. But see, they want to go to a place where there's no trumpet call. Mm. Don't even talk to me about spiritual warfare. I don't even want to hear about demons in my marriage bed. And I don't want to hear about demons coming to me at night. I don't want to hear them lying spirits. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to do spiritual battle anymore. I don't even want to hear about it. It doesn't exist. God is on my side. <laughs> right? They don't want to hear the trumpet call. I do. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the place God has put us. And that God had put them. He said, if you just dwell there, I will build you up. I'm not going to pluck you up anymore. I repent of the evil that I've done to you. But you, you have to stay there. That's where I want you. You ask me. You inquire to my prophet, what shall I do? I'm telling you. And so this is the curse part. But if, if, you, if you go, we'll go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, no hear the sound of the trumpet. We're not going to even hear the, the war cry. It's not even going to happen. We're going to be so comfortable. And guess what? We'll never hunger for bread. And there we shall dwell. We're just going to be fat and happy and jingy jangy and everything's going to be good. Mm, I love just good positive sermons. Mm, that's not where God wanted them. And that's not where God wants us. So all of this is in context of them going back in route to Egypt. But before they went to Egypt, they said, we better inquire of the man of God, Jeremiah. Took them 10 days. I'll come back with the answer. Is that the answer they want? And it says, um, verse 15, and now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if ye wholly, if you wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt, what does that mean? That's direct, that's not by accident. That's like, I know what you said, and I know what you want me to do, but I, I can't, God, I can't, I just can't deal with that. I, I can't accept that. Either it's not from you, it's either it's not from God, or um, I really don't want to dig in the scriptures to see if it is. I was just going to ask a false prophet to give me what whatever answer Your I want. Ears get tickled. Yeah, I want, I want my ears tickled. So I'm just going to ask one of my buddies who has a Kundalini spirit to pray about it, and he'll tell me, "Oh no, go ahead and do it." Um, it's a direct rebellion here. It's not. This ain't a, an accident, and that's something that you and I need to know too. This ain't something that you just stumble around and go, "Oh," and then God goes whack. This is a direct. I am not going to do this no more. And I'm going to find help. I'm going to call my friend who's a psychologist. And maybe, maybe we should make an appointment with the doctor and get a brain scan because we're both, we're both nuts. Right? I think I got a tumor. I mean, you're a tumor. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Then we start going to Egypt looking for answers. I mean, it's clear as a bell. Isn't it? And it says, if ye wholly set your face to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, you're going to go live there. 
You wholly set your face to do it. No, no, we're going to go live there because I don't want war. I don't want to hear about war. I don't want no trumpet sound in the middle of the night, folks. I don't want no Philistines upon me. Verse 16 says, Then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the, and the famine whereof ye were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt. And there ye shall die. If you stay where God says to stay, as unpleasant as it is, it's war-torn, he'll build you up, it'll be okay. If you go seek help where he, he told you not to, he wants you to rely on him, everything you fear comes upon. That's why in the early stages, he said, don't, don't go seek help here. Don't go, even, even as far as seeking help on the uh, internet, first thing you want to do is, you know, Google it and see what Derek Prince has to say about this or, you know what I mean? And it's just, not that that's wrong, but it, it's wrong in the context. If he says, I want you to dwell here and not rely on. Because I think the motivation behind that is is exactly what their motivation was. I don't want to hear about war. I don't want no war. And I don't even want to hear about it no more. How do I get rid of it? How do I get rid of the famine? How do I get, I'm afraid of all this stuff. How do I get rid of it? I need comfort, but I'm gonna get comfort not from God, from another source. Yeah. Verse 17, so shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt, to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or, or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, <clears throat> the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, because he had already destroyed Jerusalem with the Chaldeans, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when ye shall enter into Egypt. Mm -hmm. And ye shall be an execration and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach and ye shall see this place no more. So once you do that, you're not coming back to Judah. You don't want that. You're not, he's, 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 it's not the go, go, sit, sit, sit. Listen to me, listen to me, command. He told you. Yikes. Mm -hmm. The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not unto Egypt. No, certainly that I have admonished you this day. Man, it can't get it any can't clearer. clearer. No, certainly have in mind, do not seek outside help. Do not go to the world. Do not go to your safe space. Do not go to your comfort zone. Do not be a sissy. Yeah. There's a reason why you're here. It's either because of punishment, because of direct rebellion, or I'm trying to teach you something, and I'm trying to take you to another growth level, and it's ugly, and it's a war zone, and you keep getting woke up in the middle of the night with a trumpet call because the Philistines are upon you. But I'm trying to teach you how to fight, and you got to stay here. And you got to stay focused on me. You cannot rely on Egypt in any manner at all. You know. And the Lord has said concerning you. Oh, I read that. For ye, and it says, verse twenty: For ye dissembled in your hearts when you sent me unto the Lord your God saying, pray for us 
unto the Lord our God and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us and we will do it. You dissembled yourself. You, you've committed it. You, you've, you asked me. And now I have this day declared it to you. But ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for which he hath sent me unto you. Now therefore know certainly that ye shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whether ye desire to go and sojourn. Right? So here's the problem too. Poor Jeremiah, you think he was left there to do God's will? No. They took him with him. I don't want to go to Egypt. I don't want to go to the world. But they dragged this poor man of God with him. <laughs> I told you I don't want to be here. I told you not to go. Why do I go? What did I do? So, verse 43. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words, check out in verse 2. I'm in chapter 43. Verse 2 says, then spake Azariah, the son of whoever, and Johanan, the son of Korea, there's a guy again, and all the proud men. Proud men. That's interesting how they, uh, that um, adjective. And all the proud men, you know what they said to Jeremiah? Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, go not into Egypt to soldier there. What happened? It's because he didn't deliver the word that they had already made up their mind what they're going to do. They just needed God to confirm what they already decided to do. <laughs> they either don't pray to God at all about it or do what you're going to do anyway and just ask God to confirm it. Just go ahead and do it and then, and then ask God to bless it. No. God, I am going to obey you in this. <coughs> I'm going to obey God. Oh, yeah. I just need to say that, Jerry. Yeah. Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is your lie. Then it says, but in verse 3, but Baroque, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us for to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans that they might put us to death and carry us away captives to Babylon. Now, Baruch, the son of um, Neriah, there's, a, there's an apocryphal book called uh, Baruch, but also he's, um, his brother or somebody was one of the ones that got killed with Gedaliah, Gedaliah. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying, oh, he, he's the one telling you to say this so we could get captured by the Chaldeans and get whacked. So imaginations... All kinds of stuff that's not true. Verse four. So Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces and all the people, check this out, obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. Holy moly. You just cannot, you can't fix stupid and you can't, you can't fix stupid and you, and you can't feel sorry. After what you just were told, you're going to die. But Adam was the same way. He was the same way. If you eat of this tree, you'll die. He will not die. Okay, crunch. Mm. What is wrong with our brains, Jerry? Mm. Why can't we just trust God? Four fingers back. 
But Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah that were returned from all the nations, whether they had been driven to dwell in the land of Judah, even men and women and children, and the king's daughters, and every person shall Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, they had left with Gedadiah, the son of Ahakam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the prophet, and Baruch, the son of Neriah. So even Jeremiah and Baruch had to go. He took everybody. So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to Taipan. And anyway, it continues on, and there's some other things that happened where Jeremiah took some large bricks and, or stones and put them in a kiln there and in front of everybody. And they're like, what are you doing putting big stones there? And he says, see where I'm putting, I'm burying these stones in this kiln where you can't see them? The, uh, the king of Nebuchadnezzar is going to set his palace right here. This is his palace going to be set right here as he destroys all of Egypt. Which happened, by the way. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar went in there and just kicked the horse poop out of Egypt. Where they went. Exactly where they went. Had they stayed in Judah where God told them to, they would have been okay. <clears throat> so it goes on. Um, just one thing I want to cover about the Queen of Heaven because I was talking about that earlier. Okay. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I'm in uh, chapter 44, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the cities of Judah. <coughs> and behold this day, that they are a desolation and no man dwelleth therein. It's a war zone. And here's why. Now, now we get the picture of why. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger. Here's, the, here's that wickedness. And that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods. Mm -hmm. Other gods whom they, they never knew, neither they nor their fathers. In other words, like think about people today serving all these celebrities and, uh, you know, the church of Nene or BB or whatever her name is. You know, and it's gods that no one ever knew of. They're just worshiping all kinds of stuff. You know, every rapper that comes in worshiped, everybody... Donald Trump is worshipped. I mean, my goodness. God's never even heard of. And then he says, How be it, I sent unto you all my servants and prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not this abominable thing that I hate. Please don't do it, folks. But they hearkened not, nor included their ear to turn from the wickedness to burn no incense in the other gods. And, and I think a lot of times as Christians, you can read that and go, Yeah, but I don't, I don't serve other gods. I don't burn incense. I don't serve uh, Malcolm. So I'm good. That was them. You know, but that's that's what the whole book Idolicide is all about. You do. You serve, you serve plenty of other gods. Even if you don't do incense, if you're watching them on TV and idolizing and dancing with the stars, or what's that other Game of Thrones you got into? You're not, you're not, you're not if that's God's will for your life? You're not focusing on the things of God. Verse 6, Wherefore my fury and mine anger was poured forth, and I was kindled in the cities of Judah 
and in the streets of Jerusalem as they are wasted and desolate as it, at this day. So it's a war zone. <clears throat> now, wherefore now saith the Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, wherefore commit ye this great evil? Why do you commit this great evil against your souls? You do it against your own self to cut off from you man and woman, child and suckling out of Judah, to leave you none to remain. What's wrong with you? And that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense unto other gods in the land of Egypt. Whether ye be gone to dwell, that ye might cut yourselves off, and that ye might be curse, a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Why? So you go to Egypt so you don't have war and you're safe, and then you go serve other gods over there. What's wrong with you? He says, have you forgotten wickedness of your fathers and the wickedness of the kings of Judah and the wickedness of their wives? Now, here is the queen of heaven thing I was talking about. The wickedness of their wives and of your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives, which they have committed in the land of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, I read that and I thought, why is he signaling out the wives, the females? Instead of saying, all you did it, male and female, all you guys served other gods. But why is he oh, sent the wives? Because they're the ones that fed them or something. They're doing goddess worship. The females are attracted to the female goddess. All this transgenderism, even gayness, where it's feminized male, not so much masculized female. Um this uh, equality, Me Too, all these crazy chicks in Congress, or allegedly females in Congress, it's all goddess worship. See, and that's what they're doing with the Women's Center. With the History Center, yes. And like you said, God gave me that discernment, like, ah, I don't go. think God wants me to do that. Exactly, see, you didn't even have to get involved in it and go, God, if this ain't your will, close this door. You already had a hankering that, I don't know why, I can't put my finger on mm -hmm. it, but I just don't feel comfortable getting involved with that. Yeah. Even something so simple as painting the mural yeah. that I like to do. Which I gave you that idea. I want to give you that, hey, this might be something you want to do. So even I didn't see through it. Because on the surface, it's always like, um, this is good. This is good for the community. What's wrong with equal pay? Women should get paid the same if they're doing the same job. I have no problem with that. It's used under the current is goddess worship. It's all about the queen of heaven. And it's through the women that get, just like Eve, how they get the men to accept it. They just look the other way. They're probably just happy, you know, they're doing something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, and it's, it's been around for centuries. So Catholicism isn't new. They're just, the, they're the new priesthood for at least the last 2,000 years of, of, queen, of queen of heaven worship. This is what this is all about. It was a wound. It almost died in the first couple of centuries of Christianity. But now it's risen again. And today, marvel at who could make war with that beast. It's everywhere. You're not going to stop it. Who can make war with that beast? It's on every logo, it's on every t-shirt, it's on Nike. I was thinking today, I was shaving with my razor and I was thinking about Gillette. 
I was like, what does a razor company have to do with feminism? You know how they did that shave your beard challenge and, mm-hmm. you know, challenge you to be less toxic masculinity? It's all goddess crap. All of it. Androgynous. When they say androgynous, like become one, it's really just become a female. It's it's one, but it's a female. There's no masculinity become in there. Become a goddess. Become a goddess. It's queen of heaven. And now I see it that it's everywhere. It's in, like Morpheus says, it's in your church. It's in your banking system. It's in your car. It's at your school. It's at your work. It's everywhere. It's a matrix. It's goddess worship. Queen of heaven, queen of heaven, queen of heaven. And it's buried everywhere. Call it Baphomet. Call it Lucifer. Call it Pride Month. Call it LGBTQ. Call it intergender. Call it equality. Queen of Heaven, which is the opposite of of Yahweh, who we call Father. And we are sons of God. <clears throat> yeah, sons of God. It's just the it's upside down, reversed upside down. I can see it now clearly. It's all upside down. And that's how we get sucked into stuff, because now we're watching Game of Thrones. We're watching Hunter Games, who has a strong female. We're watching, uh, what's her face, uh, you know, Resident Evil, whatever her name is, Myla Kokovich. You know, you watch all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. When I grow up, I want to be a woman. It's more than just demasculating the male or just making it. It is androgyne. It is goddess. It's queen of heaven is... In fact, the unveiling is Lucifer. Lucifer is a chick. He's a goddess. He's the opposite of Father Yahweh. Of course he's a goddess. He's the opposite. There's no God Yahweh character in him. God is truth. God is truth. There's no, he's the truth. Who's this guy? The father of lies. God is up. He's down. God is good. Light. This guy's in Dark. darkness. Wow. And that's why God told me, or as, you know, I was told, everything is false. Everything, everything is false. Because this is his kingdom. The enemy's kingdom. This is goddess's kingdom. Everything is false. So if you if you long as you so long as you go to Egypt and want all the good stuff and everything, you're under the goddess. That's what this is about. This, this, all this is breaking it. Is breaking it, and it probably the timing of Beltane, right? Goddess over there with her Buddha crap. These guys would love the death. I'm not saying don't I fellowship know. them, but I mean the whole like women's little thing. Not that that was bad itself, but for you. Uh, wanted you to to divide divide asunder and put that discernment 
that's fine as long as that discernment's working. You know what I mean? And you, and you know. Because it works, it works through, the, through the wives. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers and the wickedness of the kings of Judah and the wickedness of their wives and your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives? Why are the wives mentioned? Which they have committed to the land of Judah in the streets, <clears throat> which means it wasn't hidden, Jerry. That's verse um, 9, oh. chapter 44. And then verse 10 says, And they are not humbled even to this day, Neither have they feared nor walked in my law nor in my statutes that I set before you and before your fathers. And there's a 12-fold judgment there. Um, Behold, I will set my face against you for evil to cut off all Judah. So once again, he talks about Egypt sojourning there, famine, astonishment, curse. And... um, Let's see, there's there's a Queen of Heaven stuff in here. Where am I at? At verse 12. Oh, 17. Oh, yeah. You should start with 15. Yeah. Sorry, that, I don't mean to tell you. No, uh, renewed rebellion. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods. So when he says other gods, it means the queen of heaven and so under the queen of heaven is everything else Catholicism is nothing more than the priesthood for the queen of heaven and that's why there's so many saints under that everything else follows under the he is Baphomet Lucifer who calls himself the light bearer is in fact an androgynous female. He's opposite a father. So we've got to get out of our head male and female down here, but spiritual maleness and femaleness. Then which all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods and all the women that stood by a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros answered Jeremiah saying, here's what they said. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. And here's why. Here's why they won't hearken. Here's why we're not going to listen to your toxic masculinity, Jeremiah. But we will certainly do whatever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. Why is the queen of heaven bow better than Yahweh, the creator God? Because of comfort. Because of comfort. And to pour out drink offerings unto her. As we have done, we and our fathers our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. It's not hidden. It's everywhere. For then, back then, when we used to do this, we had plenty of food, plenty of victuals. We had food everywhere. 
and we were well, and we saw no evil. But since we left off, in other words, since we quit, since we quit burning incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. So in other words, they're blaming their problems not on the fact that they disobeyed Yahweh, but that because they listened to him and quit offering this stuff to the queen of heaven, that's why they had the problems. When we used to, it was great back then. Talk about hardness of heart and darkness in their heart, Jerry. The deception, the delusion. Yeah. Yeah, that you can't see too. You can't see a cause and effect. You think your calamity is because you quit doing the very thing that caused the calamity. The very thing that caused the calamity is what you think you should keep doing to make it go away. That's spiritual retardation. <clears throat> and then verse 19, and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven, when we did that, and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? Did we do this in a vacuum and, and the men didn't know it? All the princes and the kings of Israel, all the godly men, did they not know what we were doing? Of course they knew. You know why the men liked it? Because they had food and they had victuals and they had peace and they had comfort. And they're like, well, maybe this works. It's cool. See, but that's where Jezebel's spirit comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that came to me. Jezebel's spirit is nothing more than queen of heaven. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just it's it's you know we call it the Jezebel spirit because of Revelation you know and you know Jesus says you, you yeah you allow that uh, Jezebel to teach it's nothing more than the Queen of Heaven spirit. Anyway, then Jeremiah says to everybody, the incense that ye burned in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings, your princes. And the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them and came it not into his mind so that the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you have committed? Therefore is your land a desolation and astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant as it is this day. He corrects them. It's because, you idiots, because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in the law, nor in the statutes, nor in his testimonies. Therefore, this evil has happened unto you as it is this day. Amen. Yeah. There's more Queen of Heaven down in verse 25. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah even said to all, oh, all the people and to all the women, mm -hmm. hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, that are in the land of Egypt. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths mm -hmm. and fulfilled your own hand. You caused your own, you cursed yourself. Saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven. They are worshiping the Queen of Heaven. People today worship the Queen of Heaven. 
they don't even know what they're doing. Oh, I just think, I think Beyonce's the best. Well, what's her face, that little, any other little stupid singer? Any of the celebrities. Yeah, too. any celebrity. I go, I go to this movie, I love this movie, I love this actor, I love this band, I love this, all Queen of Heaven crap. You just light, it's no different lighting incense to it. Mm-hmm. And that's it why it's so interesting good. that what we said earlier today is that since we're so focused on Christ and doing the will of God, and keeping our eyes on Jesus, that all these others, that all this other stuff really doesn't just, have any. It's sickening. Yeah, no desire. Interest. Nothing. No. So we just there's nothing on. There's nothing you could watch or any that has any satisfaction. We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore, hear ye the word of the Lord, all ye Judah that dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah or in the land of Egypt, saying the Lord God liveth. You're not gonna now come back to me and use my name in vain, is what he says. Yeah. I'm not going to put up with it no more. Behold, I will watch over them for evil. In other words, I'm going to send all kinds of evil and not for good. And all the men of Judah that are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by the famine until there is an end to them. But there's going to be a small number that will escape from the sword and and will return out of the land of Egypt into the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah that are gone into the land, the ones that escaped by the, by the hair of their head, they barely made it out, shall know whose words shall stand, mine or theirs. Now we know from history that Nebuchadnezzar came and just kicked the living daylights out of Egypt killed everybody, did burn their temples, their gods. It was never the same. So, let's see. There shall know whose words shall stand, mine or theirs. God check, rebellious, stupid people, queen of heaven, uncheck. And this shall be a sign unto you, saith the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that ye may know that my word shall surely stand against you for evil. Everything I said is going to come true. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hand of his enemies and into the hand of them that seek his life. As I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy, that sought his life. In other words, I'm going to make it happen. And that's it. Is that amazing? So there's twofold stories there. I mean, twofold lessons. One in general, yeah. for for everybody else, and then specifically for us in the sense that we are in a place of uh, a war zone. Literally, we are in a spiritual war zone of desolation, and uh, but we're sustained. You know, we got the oil, you got the wine, and you got the summer fruit, and it happens to be summer. Go figure. Oh yeah. Isn't that weird? You know, we got the oil, the wine, we got the summer fruit. 
so we have food to eat. Oh, and plenty of it. It says there's plenty. You fill your. There's plenty of it. There's there's a lot. So it's not like you got to go scavenge for it. And um, okay. yeah, but um, but we're in a war zone. Things are up. You know, things have been tore up. You know, I've been dug up, rooted up. You know, <laughs> the the trumpet keeps sounding, man. The Philistines are upon us. War. You know, time to go to war. Time to go to praise. Time to do what we we've been taught to do. Yep. Um. You know, we're at war, and uh, those things are happening, and uh, it's, it's not comfortable. It's, but it's like God, this is where I want you to be right now because I'm going to build you and not uproot you. You're going to be built here. You need to stay because if you go over there, I'm destroying all this. I'm destroying all this. Well, see, now that starts to make even more sense. Here's why I want you to stay here. This is why I want you to stay at home, hunker down in my word and not out there doing stuff. Why? Because if you're out there doing stuff, that when it comes down, you're going to go down with it. And that's exactly what God told me from the very beginning. I'm um, disciplining you so that you will not um, be condemned with the rest of the world. Yeah. That's in uh, right there. Hebrews. Yeah. Get out of her, my, my children. Get out of Babylon. We always look at that as, you know, the Babylonian church. Get out of ba- Get out of the world, man. Get out of worldly things. Yeah. Get out of the world system. It's never going to work. It's never going to work for Christians to be riding the fence. Never. <clears throat> and it certainly isn't worth it. When you're looking at eternity, my goodness, what can the queen of heaven, what kind of comfort can the queen of heaven give you here? What kind of fame and fortune and comfort can she possibly give you compared to eternity? Yeah, the only thing that is of value to me, to you, is to see the Lord's face and go, welcome. Yes. My good and faithful servant. Yeah, you made it out. Only thing, only thing that has value to it. Only thing. I yelled and I screamed Till it spoke things of sin All just to get your Attention on me I whispered in your ears I use love, I use fear All just to get you
Too late.